Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. When the shepherds uh, are visited by the angel in the fields, it's, it's, we, we share the Luke chapter 2 story of Christmas so often because it's such a beautiful, succinct statement of what Christmas was all about. But as the shepherds are greeted by this angel in the heavens uh, and he shares to them that they should go to Bethlehem and find the baby wrapped in a manger and it's going to be good news of great joy for all the people. Uh, then there's a, a heavenly host of angels that come and sing. I can't wait to hear the angels sing one day. Don't you reckon that's just going to be glorious? We heard some angelic singing just now. We heard some angelic singing on Monday night, but uh, I reckon put you guys with a choir of angels and it's going to just lift it to a whole new level. But as the angels sing to the shepherds, they sing these words. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. I just want to talk about the gift of peace for a while this morning. It's just this word that God's put on my heart to share at the end of what has been another year of turmoil. And for some of us right now, is one of the greatest seasons of turmoil that we've walked through. You see, we go looking for peace in all kinds of places. We actually think peace is the absence of something. So when we're not at war, we're at peace. And there's some truth to that. When, when there's no conflict, we're at peace. When there's no tension or fear or worry or anxiety, that is when we experience peace. But the Bible wants to actually take the concept of peace to a whole new level because it wants to say that peace isn't just found in the absence of something, it's found in the presence of someone. Now parents here would understand uh, this picture, I think, because... We, we go, we've gone through a phase with all of our kids and every time I'm in the middle of it I feel like a terrible parent because I should be doing this differently but all of our kids at some point in their younger years decided that their room was too scary a place to be at night and so found numerous ways to invade my room and invade my sleep. Anyone else? I'm not going to ask you but many of us have been there, right? Just a little tip. Get a mattress that they can stick on the floor. That's just what I've done. It's like, you ain't coming near my bed. You can sleep on the ground. But then by the time, it's callous, isn't it? But I like my sleep and I like my space. So pull the mattress out, fall asleep on the floor. But there's something about that. I just get to go through these seasons of frustration with my kids. Like, come on. And then eventually they all grow out of it. I'm still waiting for Isaac to get past that. He still likes... Sorry, mate, you're the only one of my kids in the front row that I can pick on. Isaac doesn't do it, but you know, well, the younger one, one of, you know, Sarah's just going through a phase at the moment where like, there's something about you know, being with someone else in the room that makes her feel better. And it's the very point, isn't it? It's just like nothing's changed. The circumstances of our house, the safety of our house hasn't changed, but the sense of presence just brings peace. Seeing my kids turn and roll and not being able to go to sleep and then the minute they just put their head on a pillow on the mattress next to my bed, within 10 seconds, they're just asleep because they're at peace. The psalmist in Psalm 4 writes this. Many people say, who will show us better times? Let your face smile upon us, Lord. You have given me greater joy 
than those who have abundant harvest of grain and new wine. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you, alone, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. There's this sense in the scripture that peace isn't found in the absence of something. It's found in the presence of Jesus. And when Jesus is in our picture, there's a peace that comes. The Bible actually talks about peace as something when you get the peace of God, that it transcends earthly understanding. I've, I've, if I've ever prayed for you because of what you're going through, it's my go-to prayer. I'm just a bit one dimensional, but I reckon one of the greatest things to pray that is in any circumstance in life, the peace of God, which the Bible says transcends understanding, in other words, makes no sense in the circumstances, would guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, no matter what you go through, and all of us in life will walk through storms and turmoil and pain and grief and disruption and things not going the way we'd anticipated or planned. But in the midst of that, Jesus would want to say to you, don't let your hearts be overwhelmed. Allow my peace, which will actually make no sense in your circumstances, be the thing that guards your heart and your mind. You see, the gift of Christmas is the gift of peace in the presence of Jesus. Let me take you back to ancient Israel for a minute. You can read these stories in your own time at some point from other book of, in, the, in the books of Kings and Chronicles. Like it just it charts the history of ancient Israel. But uh, we move through the history books in the Old Testament and into the prophetic books. But the prophetic books were often written through the times of the history books. Does, does that make sense? So we've got the history lesson, but then we've got the prophets and what they wrote at the same time as that history was being played out. So the prophet Isaiah, if you're familiar with the Bible in the Old Testament, one of the longest books is the book of Isaiah, which is the prophetic word of a man named Isaiah that spoke to the circumstances of his day. But Isaiah is speaking at a time of some of the kings of Israel and some of the kings that are mentioned are the kings Ahaz and Hezekiah. Now Ahaz was a terrible king. He was just, he did a whole bunch of stuff that was messed up. He didn't actually lead his nation in the things of God. He led his nation into despicable practices, into the worship of other gods. You know, he was into all kind of messed up sacrifices and just, it, it was a really messed up time of history under the reign of King Ahaz. Now, part of why Ahaz did what he did was we, we read the scriptures and we think Israel was this superpower, but Israel was this tiny thing. God always seems to choose the least doesn't he, to actually come and do something. And the, the people of Israel weren't the superpower of the day. They were just this little group of people that God chose to reveal himself through. And Ahaz got worried because of all the great empires around him that were putting the pressure on. So Ahaz bended and folded and gave into the cultures around him. Set up all of this despicable stuff. But Ahaz's time came and went. And the next in line to the throne was Hezekiah. Now Hezekiah was a good and a godly king of Israel. And Hezekiah started to tear down the places of worship that Ahaz had set up. And Ahaz started to tear down and dismantle some of the practices that Ahaz had allowed to come in to the life of ancient Israel. And Hezekiah started to push away the influence of the surrounding nations. But as we know in human conflict, the superpowers don't like it when the little guy stands up. And so at the time of Hezekiah, there was this great empire known as the Assyrian Empire. And they didn't like the fact that Hezekiah was reversing a whole bunch of things that Ahaz had instituted. 
And so Assyria comes to King Hezekiah and says these words. You can read this in 2 Kings 18. It said, The commander of Assyria came and stood and called out in Hebrew to the people of Israel, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says that the Lord will surely deliver us, that this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For this is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Choose life and not death. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? See, the time of Hezekiah was a time of incredible turmoil. And if you missed the story, if you're like, what on earth was he talking about? Hezekiah starts to turn things back to the way God intended. And the king of Syria doesn't like it. So the king of Syria sends someone out and he stands at the gates of the city and he yells out and he says, why are you trusting this Hezekiah guy? Why do you believe him when he says, trust in the Lord? God's got this. Don't trust in the Lord. Trust in me. Make your peace with me, the king of Assyria says, and I'll look after you. I'll make sure that everything goes well for you. I'll make sure that everything turns out in your favour. Why don't you choose life and not death, are his words. This is a time of incredible turmoil. And if you're a little nation facing the might of the Assyrian Empire, it would be easy in that moment to cave, wouldn't it? But Hezekiah stands strong. He says, no, no, no. We will not actually let Assyria stand against the armies of the Lord. And you continue to read that story and uh, Hezekiah gives one of the greatest smackdown speeches you'll ever hear. He says, you've got nothing, you won't even get into this city. And the story goes that God actually creates this miracle where the Assyrian army is just decimated. And Hezekiah and the people of Israel survive and flourish through that season. You see, it was a time of great turmoil, political upheaval, social upheaval, cultural upheaval. There was pressures culturally. There were, there were pressures to the people of Israel from other religious groups telling them they should be worshipping other gods. There was pressure politically and, and military might. People were fearing for their physical safety and their lives. And into that, Isaiah speaks these words. In Isaiah chapter 9. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. So there's the story, the narrative, the political situation, the social upheaval, the cultural upheaval, the fear, the anxiety, the lack of peace politically, physically, relationally, and in the midst of it, Isaiah says, okay, this, this is the world in which we live, but I want to tell you a better story. One is coming 
who will be known as the Prince of Peace and of his government and its peace, it will never end. And this morning, some of us are living in a time of great upheaval and God wants to speak into our story and say, guess what? I want to introduce you to a child that was born to you. He's a wonderful counsellor. He's a mighty and an everlasting God. He is the Prince of Peace. And of his government and his rule, there will be no end. And, and, and within his government and his rule, it'll be filled with peace. See, the message of Christmas is the message of Jesus coming and becoming our peace. And let me just speak to it from a few angles this morning because the concept of peace isn't just an individual one, it's a corporate one as well. You see, the image then and the prophecy of Isaiah and some of his contemporaries was of what peace looks like in the kingdom of God. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this concept of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is the place where God's rule and God's reign and God's way and God's government is the thing that's in charge. Now, don't think through our political systems. Just think of the place where God is all in all and his way is the way. Now, it's going to be an interesting time because some of us are going to have to learn to bow our knee to God's way in the midst of that when his rule is all in all. But, but the Bible tells us some pretty cool things about what the kingdom of God looks like. Isaiah goes on in Isaiah chapter 11 to say this. What does the kingdom look like when the rule and reign of God is all in all? He uses this weird picture. He says, in that day, the wolf and the lamb will lie together. Now, I'm not a, a zoologist, but I know that if you want to throw a lamb into the wolf thing at a zoo, it's going to be messy and you don't want the children around. But the wolf and the lamb were very um, regular. They were animals that were part of kind of Middle Eastern culture and you'd have shepherds looking after the sheep and we hear all the stories. Jesus tells how they would lie at the gate and stop the wolves getting in amongst the sheep. But the picture that Isaiah gives us of what happens when the kingdom of God becomes everything is that the wolf and the lamb lie down in peace with one another. It's a metaphor, it's a picture, but it's trying to tell us about what the kingdom looks like. He says the leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. It's all picture, but he's trying to build this incredible point of in the kingdom of God and in the peace of God, things come together that none of us believe could come together. That's what it's going to look like one day. That's what it's going to look like when God is in charge. Some things right now that you believe are broken and irreparable and could never come together without conflict. The peace of God is going to reign and the kingdom of God is a place where things that make no sense together come back together. Isaiah goes on, Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for the, as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In other words, this isn't just the rule and reign of God. This is the people of God that bow their knee to the rule and reign of God. And guess what is marked in the kingdom? It's a kingdom of peace. The prophet Micah says this, One day he will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. Again, some weird imagery in there for our understanding and our hearing, but when he says they'll beat their swords into plowshares, he says this, they're going to take the instruments of war and destruction and death, and they're going to be refashioned into instruments of agriculture and fruitfulness and flood. That's what it looks like in the kingdom of God. That things that bring death and destruction and turmoil are going to be refashioned into things that that bring life and wholeness and flourishing. Their swords will be beaten into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And in the kingdom of God, nation will no longer take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Earlier this year, the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. There's a good name, isn't it? Stockholm International Peace Research Institute reported that last year, in 2020, total global military expenditure across the world rose to $1,981 billion in one year. That's just shy. I'm not a mathematician, but that's just shy of $2 trillion of money last year spent on defence and war spending. Imagine in the kingdom when $2 trillion can be directed into things that aren't about death and turmoil and destruction. When it can be put into food for the hungry and shelter for the displaced and healthcare for the sick, and education for the uneducated. You see, we live in a world filled with turmoil where across our planet, $2 trillion each year is spent in just maintaining the mechanisms for war and defence. Because even though we want to be a trusting lot, we actually feel like if we drop our defences... We know how broken and messed up our world is and we know how bad humanity is at learning from past mistakes. And we know the power of greed and we know the power of absolute power and we know all the things that get messed up in the human heart that lead to nation taking up sword against nation to the point where probably more than any other bill across planet Earth, money is put into defence and military expenditure you see the image of Christmas and the image of Jesus is that he is the prince of peace and of his government and of his peace there will be no end and when Jesus rules and reigns all in all swords will be beaten into plowshares if it was written today tanks will be turned into tractors And nation won't take up sword against nation anymore because there'll be no more pain or suffering in the place where God rules. See, the the, the gift of Christmas is the gift of the Prince of Peace who one day will lead and oversee a kingdom of peace. You're invited to be part of that kingdom of peace. It's a beautiful picture. But it's not just a corporate picture when the shepherds announce peace on earth to all on whom his favour rests. There's this beautiful little uh, narrative that runs through the Christmas story given through a 
bunch of accounts from the different gospel writers and let me just read some of them to you. I do apologise, there's no slides today. I just want to keep you on your feet because you get lazy. Really, I just didn't get it to the guys in time, so... Little exercise, right? Just shake it off for a minute. I'm not going to go long today. Well, I've gone long already. I'm not going to go much longer. How's that? Shake it off because I want you to hear this last little bit because I reckon this is what some of us need to hear this morning. Listen to these four little accounts of the Christmas story and tell me what you find in common. The first comes when an angel appears to Zachariah, who's married to Elizabeth, come to announce the birth of John the Baptist, who's going to be the cousin of Jesus. And it says, an angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah. This is in Luke 1, verses 11 to 13. An angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. I would be too. I'm like, God, I get this kind of angelic visitation thing, but if I could have a bit more warning, you know, like if I could see it coming, don't just appear beside the altar of you're like, it's never happened, I'm all good if it doesn't have to go down that way. Happens to Zachariah, says he's startled. <laughs> Startled's an understatement, don't you reckon? He's just doing his thing, whoa, angel. It says he's gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you would call him John. A little bit further in Luke chapter 1, the angel comes back. The angel now comes to Mary and he says to her, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. And it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. Matthew chapter 1. Angel comes and visits Joseph, the one betrothed to marry Mary. After Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and he would give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, have a guess what the angel said. Come on. Do not be afraid. To Zechariah, the angel says, do not be afraid. To Joseph, do not be afraid. To Mary, do not be afraid. To the angels, do not be afraid. Because all of them were terrified at what was happening. And God's word to them is do not be afraid. And God's word to some of us this morning is He wants us to gaze in the manger, discover the Prince of Peace and hear the words, do not be afraid. Now, I think at the end of this year, some of us have been so overwhelmed with the burden of fear and the burden of turmoil and the burden of uncertainty and the burden of unrestlessness. And we know that next week that may not change and next month that may not change. And guess what? If it, that changes, next year there'll be something new and the year after there'll be something else. All of us at some point in our life are gonna have to put up with disruption. But God wants to say in my prayer, Presence, there is peace and do not be afraid. Some of us are spending so much time putting all of our focus into other things and it's understandable we all know what it's like. 
But God wants to say in the midst of whatever it is that you walk through now, I want you to discover one, the gift of peace that comes from my presence, not the absence of turmoil, but from my presence. And as you discover the gift of my presence, I want to gaze into your face and say, whatever it is you walk through right now, do not be afraid. The Prince of Peace wants to visit you this Christmas. He wants to make himself bigger in your life than the fear and the anxiety and the turmoil. Because if any of us had an antidote through life to get rid of that, we'd be billionaires, probably trillionaires. We'd probably be able to fund the defence spending, but we can't because life and its circumstances just have a funny way of kind of doing their thing. But Jesus says in the midst of it, do not be afraid. And the only way we can live fearlessly is if we allow God to become bigger in our story than the fear, the worry and the anxiety is. Hezekiah had the army of Assyria marching against him. Just global political spectrum. Without, you'd have to do the research on this, but Hezekiah and his army rightfully would have been obliterated without even a whimper. But Hezekiah knew that the God of heaven's army stood with him and said, do not be afraid, Hezekiah. I will deliver you. And so Jesus says to you today, do not be afraid. I think the most appropriate way for us to end this this morning, I'm going to get... I didn't give you guys warning, sorry. I get the band to race up. I just I want to arm us with a prayer today that I'd like us to pray for each other. Now the Bible says that the peace of God transcends all understanding. And I reckon we just need to pray for the peace of God over some of us that right now are living in the midst of intense turmoil. Maybe it's maybe it's because of what's happening in our world. Maybe it's because of what's happening in your family. Maybe there's just a health challenge that you're walking through right now that just is overwhelming every sense of well-being for you. Maybe there's just, you know, Christmas. Most of us love Christmas time as we come up to a time of family and celebration. But for some of us, maybe Christmas time is the time that it highlights some of the brokenness and fracturedness in some of our relationships. And maybe right now that's just creating turmoil to your world. Maybe it's a financial turmoil. Maybe it's... Turmoil comes in a whole bunch of different ways. But Jesus wants to become bigger in your life so that fear doesn't become the dominant story, but he becomes the dominant story. You discover him as the Prince of Peace. And as he whispers in your ear, do not be afraid. And as his peace floods your life and transcends all understanding. In other words, makes no sense in spite of the circumstances you walk through, but makes perfect sense in the presence of Creator God. So why don't we all stand to our feet this morning? Just love us to land our service this morning. Just singing those words of that song we sang earlier, I am no longer a slave to fear because I'm a child of God. In other words, you won't find peace by the manipulation of your circumstances or by getting more money or by changing this relationship or that career or... The only way you'll ever find peace is finding your place in God's presence and allowing Him to become bigger than the circumstances that swirl around you. He is 
the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Don't go looking for it in other places. Come to Jesus and allow His peace just to flood you this moment. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.